All right, hello. It is Monday, May 18th. Time for another edition of the Daily Come On Now MMA podcast. And we're going to start off tonight with something that we can file under either Come On Now or um, MMA Dumb Shit 2020. And if you haven't seen it, uh, Coach Mike Winklejohn used a what he thought was a Hitler quote and what he, I'm going to guess, um, he pulled up a picture, uh, who, which was not Hitler. Uh, but anyway, his point was, the point he was trying to make was um, that folks in the uh, United States are losing their rights, and somehow he wanted to compare what's happening um, currently in the United States to what Hitler did in Nazi Germany, and yeah, that's not something you want to do ever, ever, Um, but Winkle John did it, he's left it up for um, a day, when I looked not that long ago, it had almost 650 likes, and I'm going to guess some comments that are knuckleheaded at best. on the pro side of this, which I don't know if you fall on that side, um, I got nothing for you. Um, hopefully the the con side, the negative side of this outweighs the pro side, but I don't really want to delve into that, looking into that, because it'll just frustrate and anger me. But anyway, um, never try and make a point about anything using a Hitler quote, or a quote that is erroneously attributed to Hitler. Just not something you want to do. But it was done, and it's out there, and it's, come on now. I'm going to move on to something a little more positive, and that is Daniel Cormier's comments on a potential matchup between John Jones and Francis Ngannou. And here is what Cormier had to say about um, Jones potentially facing Ngannou at heavyweight. Give credit where credit is due. And I truly believe that this Francis Ngannou thing is one of the most gangster things in the world. Like, why would you be afraid of anyone? Especially if you're a guy that has the accomplishments of John Jones. Why? That's... That's the thing that I don't get, right? When people say me or John Jones and that we're afraid of somebody. It's the most asinine thing in the world. Like, we're not afraid of anyone. And I think that this Jones thing is it's cool. Like, he's like, okay, you want to fight? Let's do it. Like, And that's what any person in the world, a true fighter, would do. And I think that's, uh, I think hats off to Jones. All right, so a couple things about this. First of all, props to DC for um, offering his opinion on this. We all know he doesn't see eye to eye um, with John Jones often, but as a competitor, I think he ultimately respects Jones, and he sees this as, like he said, it's a, a gangster move by Jones. Um, and I agree. I mean, if the UFC wants to pay John Jones what he deserves, um, then 
you know, make this fight, make this fight happen. Um, this is all up to the UFC, though. If they're going to um, hold the purse strings a little tight, I don't know if this fight's going to happen. Um, and if they do that, Jones is, like I've said in the past, and Jones is just going to stay at light heavyweight. And, and my, my uh, guess would be just run up some more wins there until the UFC finally does decide it's time to give this guy a super fight and pay him what he's worth. Um, but another point that Cormier makes here is something that I think we see too, far too often in the MMA world, and that's when a fighter doesn't take a fight or um, a fighter withdraws from a fight, the go-to statement on by a lot of fans is, well, they were afraid. And like Cormier says, that's an asinine, that's an asinine statement. These are professional fighters. If you think any of them is, uh, any of these people are afraid of another person that is in their same weight class or in a weight class one above or one below or just in general, they're not afraid. They have no reason to be afraid. They get into a, <laughs> a lock cage with another person and fist fight. Why would they be afraid of one person or another? You have to have a special kind of mentality to uh, to do this, to to want to want to want to step into a cage, get locked into that cage, and fist fight. And that that kind of personality is not one that's going to be afraid. It just isn't. So I wish that that trope would die. Um, it's dumb. It's overused. It has no basis in truth, but yet every time a fight falls through or every time someone doesn't fight um, who they ex were expected to fight, you hear that they're afraid. And um, if this jones Ngannou fight doesn't happen, you're going to hear it then. But the reality is, if it doesn't happen, um, my expectation it doesn't happen because the UFC is unwilling to meet Jones's. Um, asking price and it's definitely something they should meet we all know that every UFC fighter is underpaid and that that is every UFC fighter none of them get what they're worth um, I think that's easy to see when you look at the revenue split between the fighters and the and the UFC but pay the man what he's worth pay the man what he wants and make this fight happen uh, Jones tweeted out that that picture of these the video of DC and uh, he says some of you have been waiting to see me lose for over a decade now finally you stick me in there with a giant with your with you with your mouth watering maybe you'll see what you've been waiting for for years maybe you won't the question is how much are you willing to pay to see it and that's a question only the UFC can answer um, so I'll pay to see it but will the UFC pay John Jones what he's worth? That's the question. Now on to something a little, let's say, less positive about um, Daniel Cormier. He's done this before, and today he did it again. And, I mean, I understand that the clock is ticking for Cormier, and he wants to fight Stipe Miocic. 
um, one more time before he retires. And I know that's frustrating that he can't get that fight right now because Stipe is um, a first responder in his home state of Ohio. And also, as far as I know, um, he can't get to his gym because it's not open. So um, to today, Cormier tweeted out, Hey champ, I just got a message from Kyle from Zebra Mats. He wanted to tell you this. Quote, tell Stevie I, Stevie I can get him mats and a cage wall in five days. Um, sign the bout agreement and give me a credit card number. So, like I said, I understand Cormier's frustration. But the attempt to shame Stipe into a title fight when A, he's serving his community as a first responder during a pandemic... B, he can't train in his gym. Uh, It's not a good look. Um, If Cormier wants only to fight Stipe, then he's going to have to wait. Um, And if he just wants a fight for a big payday, he can fight Ngannou. Um, And if he only wants to fight Stipe, then he can... And if fight's not available, then, you know, he can either wait or re- retire, which not the not the best option, but it's still an option. Um, so I think um, the fact that he can't fight right now because of the situation and his position, his job, I don't think it's a good look to try and, you know, goad or um, shame a man into a fight while he's, you know, serving his community as a first responder. It's a bad look. It's a desperate look, um, and it's unnecessary. So I hope um, that we don't see more of this because it's just not, it's not necessary. And um, I know Dana White has kind of opened the door maybe for stripping Stipe of the belt. But again, that that's kind of a, an ugly uh, option when White has also said that if someone doesn't want to fight now because they're uncomfortable, the UFC is not going to make them. But so why why infer that you're going to strip Stipe of the belt? So hopefully he keeps the keep he gets to keep his heavyweight title. Um, he gets to train a full camp in his gym, and the fight with Cormier happens. If it doesn't, it's unfortunate, but the title should remain in, in Stipe's hands. Um, and I don't, I don't see any other option that's a good option for, for that. He's the champion. He's serving his community. He deserves to keep his title until he is able to train and defend that title. This isn't a regular situation where somebody is just not fighting for um, whatever reason. It's not the same, and it should be treated differently. So hopefully this works out, and these two guys eventually fight. But if it doesn't, it doesn't. But the title should not be stripped. I want to talk a little bit about um, the waiver that the media signed 
um, at these three Jacksonville events, and also the fighters and, and everyone. Um, I didn't hear, and I definitely didn't see, any of the media that were at the event ask White uh, any questions about follow-up testing or um, self-quarantine for the, for the participants at the Jacksonville events, um, which is a, alarming because both of those questions should have been asked. Um, and that makes me uncomfortable um, because going into this event, my take was that the most important story was not the fights, but the testing and how um, the UFC dealt with um, the COVID-19 issue uh, at, at these three cards. And I didn't see any true reporting from any of the folks who attended the event. Um, I know they were handpicked for a reason. Um, I know they signed the waiver, but according to Dana White, the UFC and the UFC's legal team assured um, these folks that the waiver was only for untrue things. So the, the media should have been free to report on true things. So they could have um, detailed how many times they were tested um, under what conditions when they got their tests back. Um, they could have detailed tests for the fighters, how often they happened. Um, and when those results came back, uh, they could have reported on social distancing and things that they saw that were not followed in the safety and health plan. But I didn't see any of that. And that's discouraging and disheartening and alarming. Um, so I hope uh, as things move along and more media and different media can attend these events that someone will report in depth what they saw and what they dealt with as far as COVID-19 testing and uh, any instructions that they were given for traveling home from the event and self-quarantining and then getting a COVID-19 test two weeks after the event to make sure that they were negative for COVID-19. So um, I know the waiver probably put some fear in the folks, but if what White and the lawyer said was true, then the media that attended these events should have reported on on what they saw and what they dealt with and anything less i think is a, a dropping them the, they dropped the ball if anything less happens so um maybe something will show up in the next couple of days i'm not counting on it because that that story would have been at the top of my um, list of things to do as an, as an editor but We'll see, but as of now, um, very disappointing that nothing's come out on that on that front. After Anthony Smith's loss to Glover Teixeira, I I said that I didn't see anything wrong with 
what Jason Herzog did as a referee. Um, and my reasoning for that was that every time he spoke to Smith, Smith reacted in the way that Herzog wanted to see. Um, he was moving. He was defending. Um, and that's why I think that it was an ugly fight, but I think that the stoppage came at the correct time. I think that Smith's corner should have stopped the fight themselves much sooner. Um, and we can, there's a discussion that can be had about when a referee should or shouldn't stop a fight um, based on accumulated damage. But that's a different discussion because that opens up a whole other can of worms. Um, I think Herzog stopped it at the right time. Um, just That's just based on the way Smith was reacting to Herzog's commands. Um, Herzog um, seemed to apologize for the stoppage. Um, I guess the pressure uh, of hearing that it was late, or whatever reason, he, he he apologized. He wrote, I am responsible for each fighter. I am entrusted to oversee. I'll take this experience, make the necessary changes, and get better. Um, I, and from my point of view, that's an unnecessary, it was an unnecessary apology because I think he did his job the way it was, it's written to do. Um, I appreciate that, the sentiment, um, and it's up to the commission and the the commission to decide if he did stop the fight late or if he followed things to the to the letter of the law um, like I said I think he did the right did the right thing um, but Smith seemed to take uh, offense to Herzog's comments for some reason um, he said it was a coward move uh, and I don't understand that um, that that point is just lost on me. Um, and then again, in another tweet, he said, um, don't wilt under a little heat afterward because Twitter is mean, the world is soft, man up. And it's, it's puzzling because by the time the fight was stopped, um, Smith's nose was broken, his orbital bone was broken, um, and... He had two teeth knocked out. So the stoppage was... I mean, the fight should have been stopped, whether it be by um, a doctor, the corner, or Herzog. So I don't know why Smith would take umbrage with Herzog's apology, and I, I don't think the apology was necessary. But if Herzog felt that maybe he let it on uh, to go on a little too long then that's fine that's his option as a referee i mean he he was there he was <clears throat> excuse me he was the one that was in the cage so if if he feels that you know next time if a fight gets that kind of ugly he'll stop it a little earlier okay i i won't have a problem with that either because that fight could have been stopped earlier just based on damage but um I don't, yeah, Smith's take on this is a little puzzling, and I wish he would have um, went about the way uh, he dealt with it a little clearer. Yeah, so I don't I don't think that um, 
Herzog deserved the the grief that Smith is giving him here, but maybe that's just frustration on Smith's part uh, because of how the fight ended. But I think Herzog did a good job, um, and like I said, it's his option to apologize if he thought he could have stopped it um, a little sooner in hindsight. But I don't think anyone's going to give him an extra amount of grief about it. What about what had happened? What happened uh, in the in the cage that night? And speaking about referees, I'm still bothered by what Dominic Cruz um, did after his loss to Henry Cejudo, where he said that Keith Peterson smelled like alcohol and cigarettes. Cigarettes. I I don't know what why that's a Nothing that was even mentioned. And it bothers me because while Peterson did referee the next two cards in Jacksonville, he still has these accusations um, from Cruz hanging over his head. Um, and I know Herb Dean defended Peterson, but I still believe that there should be an investigation um, because Cruz has made some pretty damning statements um, uh, about Peterson's professionalism. And if the investigation finds out that the Cruz's accusations are unfounded, I think Cruz should have to answer to answer to, for them and, and it, at least face some kind of punishment. I also think um, the commission should, if if the f- accusations were unfounded, speak up and clear Peterson's name. Um, and if the accusations are true, then Peterson should face repercussions. But an investigation, at the very least, should take place because this kind of invites um, an open season on accusing the referees of whatever... And if no one has to answer these accusations, I could see this getting um, uglier, much uglier uh, going forward. So I've asked the Florida Commission about this twice. I've asked the ABC about this twice. No one has gotten back to me. Um, And I guess I'm just going to keep pushing the issue until someone at least responds because... It's a serious, serious issue, and it just doesn't make any sense that someone can make accusations towards a referee like this without, without you know, backing it up with anything, um, without any, even without an investigation. So it's a, it's a weird, weird thing, and I don't like it. And hopefully, it gets looked into. Alistair Overeem mentioned something interesting um, on Luke Tom on the Luke Thomas show today uh, and Thomas asked Overeem about if he got the COVID-19 antibody test results back and because Overeem had said he thought at one point that he did have COVID-19 so the antibody test should have shown if he did or not um, and Overeem said he did not get the results of the test back yet, which strikes me as odd. Um, 
and I would have thought the UFC would have at least informed the fighters uh, when they were going to get these results back and what the results were. So I would ask, A, did the UFC have the results by fight night? And B, why didn't the fighters get the results? And I should say that uh, of the tests that were administer, administered at the events, the antibody test is the far less important one. The COVID-19 test is the one that is essential. The antibody test is more just to know. It's not going to be a deal breaker. Um, it's just something that, you know, someone should know. Um, but the UFC should provide that information to everyone. And it should, if, if the results could have come back um, at the event, then, then the fighter should have known that. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was weird to hear that. Um, so hopefully this was an exception um, and not the rule for all the fighters. But again, like I said, the COVID-19 test results with the nasal swab, those are the results that are much more important than, than the uh, antibody test. So uh, hope, hopefully everybody got those results back. Um, before fight night, and I think they did, at least for the first test, um, which was done upon arrival. Um, the test that was done, I believe it was reported it was done after weigh-ins or before weigh-ins, sometime on weigh-in day. I don't think they would have gotten those results back by fight night, but um, they should have got that result before they left um, Jacksonville or shortly after returning home. Um, but... Yeah, so it was just weird. Not anything to get all up in arms about, but if you're going to test them, at least let them know the results of those tests. Uh, Yahoo's uh, Kevin Ioli um, took part in USADA's remote drug testing, um, and he reported on that today over at Yahoo, obviously. And if you want to read the story... It's called Remote Drug Testing. Here's how USADA's new procedure works for UFC athletes. Um, I read through it. It seems pretty interesting. Um, I'd like to see it in action um, and really dig into the safeguards. And I'll probably ask some questions of USADA about this at some point in the near future. But what I want to focus on today is that there is going to be a cost savings associated with this. Um, if it does go into play right now, it's a, a trial. And I think uh, Ioli says that only a handful of uh, fighters are involved in this trial period. And those fighters are um, Felicia Spencer, Ashley Oder, Jimmy Rivera, Eric Anders, and Corey Sandhagen. Um, and I only took the test myself, uh, both blood and urine. Um, and like I said, it sounds good, but I have some questions and I'll try and follow up on those. But the cost savings is going to, are going to be that the tests are going to be sent out UPS, um, and then they're just going to be sent back UPS. And so a doping agent does not have to travel, um, all over 
the world to to administer tests. And my question then with that savings falls into um, a story that John Nash wrote on Bloody Elbow on February 3rd, and it the title of that story is Lawsuit Documents Reveal Even More Details on UFC Business Structure and Fighter Pay. And in that story, um, it says that the athlete compensation includes the following fighter costs. And one of those was the USADA drug testing program. And so my question then is, if there's a significant savings because the doping agents are not being sent out to the fighters' homes, are those savings going to go to the fighter? And with that, does the compensation of the fighters increase by that amount? And I'm sure it won't be a, um, you know, giant amount, but uh, any kind of money that can go back into the fighters' pockets is something the fighters could use because we all know um, the revenue split, according to the New York Post article, was, I think, 84 to the UFC and 16% to the fighters. So if this can even just get a, a few percentage points more to the fighters, then that's a win. Um, my fear is that these savings will not go be passed on to the fighters. And, the, and just like with uh, the UFC's um, quote-unquote partnerships, which are sponsorship deals with under a different name, um, the fighters don't see that money. And I fear that this will be the same. Um, so hopefully someone can step up to the plate and work on something in, in this regard. But unless the fighters push the UFC, I don't see the UFC... Um, helping out with the uh, any kind of increase in, in wages for the fighters which is unfort which is unfortunate um, but maybe it'll happen but I'm not I'm not counting on it um, and I think that's all I have for today I think I covered a lot of ground here um, I'll try and follow up with some things but until tomorrow um, and just stay safe.